Welcome to the Old Bridge Baptist Church podcast. We hope you find the following sermon to be edifying for your walk with the Lord. If you have any questions or feedback, please feel free to reach out to us on our Facebook page. You can also visit our website at obb.church for more info. Now here's the sermon. Good morning. Let's pray. Father, um, with our Bibles before us and um, opened, we ask that your word would, would teach us now, that your spirit would work, that our hearts and minds would look to you, that um, we would set our minds above, that we would not be anxious for the things that are going on in our our life, but that we would rejoice as uh, as your word says, and as we're singing, and that we would be thankful in the midst of all of the chaos um, of the world. And you tell us not to be anxious, but you give us a solution to that, and it's to really replace our anxiety with rejoicing in you and being thankful and giving thanks and praying and looking to your word and renewing our minds. So I pray that that would happen today. I do pray for Old Bridge Baptist. I thank you for uh, this church, for getting to know them, becoming friends with them. And I do pray for the steps ahead that you would guide them, help them to walk with you. You would bless them and strengthen them, help them to love you and help them to love one another and to be a real witness here in this community. In Jesus' name, amen. How many people here have uh, liked to sail? Hopefully, uh, over. I think this is the fourth or fifth time that I've preached, so hopefully I'm not using the same stories or uh, opening illustrations. But how many sailors do we have? A couple? Okay, so what do you call the big part of the boat that goes down into the water keel Keel, right and did anybody ever sail any of the small boats like a sunfish or a turn or anything like that what do you call it centerboard something like that right so the centerboard when it goes down deep okay it keeps you going straight in the midst of the storm right so i think that we would all agree that we need to have some kind of keel in our life or some kind of centerboard deep down in our life into our core, right? So what I want to talk about this morning is that passage that you heard uh, read. Thank you for that reading in Acts chapter 12. And we're really going to just look at four truths that I pray that we send down deep into our souls, deep into our cores, that we drive down as the centerboard or the keel of our lives to keep us stable. Right, and then to keep us help walking in the right direction. Because what we did as kids is we would take the centerboard out of the boat, and then the boat would just go all over the place, and we'd really have no direction. And I, I think that when we don't keep the Lord as the center and his word and drive them down to the core of our being, when we face things like we're facing now, we're not going to have any hope. We're not going to make it. We're not going to keep walking straight. We're going to be complete chaos. You might as well put us off someplace because we're not going to be no good because there's so much going on 
that, uh, that makes us anxious. So four truths, uh, you know these, but as Peter says, first or second Peter, I don't remember, to be reminded. We need to be reminded of these truths often. So truth number one is God is on the throne. God is on the throne. I'm going to read just the first four verses again that were read. Uh, Acts chapter 12, 1 to 4. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. When he saw that this met with approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread. So Ken, you said, first of all, your point number one is that God is on the throne. That does not look like God is on the throne. But I'm telling you that God's on the throne, has always been on the throne, and will always be on the throne. How do we say that? Because Stephen, a little while ago, was stoned. King Herod just killed James. And now he is about to kill Peter. And the Christians are in hiding. That does not seem like God's on the throne, but that seems like King Herod is on the throne. And I think if we, uh, when I had picked this message, the things that were happening in Afghanistan were not, I, I knew what I was going to do uh, a while ago here. The, the things were not happening. So um, I think we could ask that question right now. What, what's going on? Why, why, why are these things, Lord, why are these things happening, right? It's not the first time that society or Christians have asked these questions. It's happened all the time, but we're asking them again, right? It sure does not seem like God is on the throne. But let's listen to the testimony of Scripture about how he is. I'm just going to rattle off some verses here. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his sovereignty rules over all. For God is the king of all the earth. God reigns over the nations. God is seated on his holy throne. Our God is in the heavens. He does whatever he pleases. The Lord reigns. Let the nations tremble. He sits enthroned between the cherubim. Let the earth shake. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. Like the rivers of water, he turns it wherever he wishes. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things that are yet done. Saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do all of my pleasure. Job 42, 2. I know that you can do everything and that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. Whether we are here in the States or whether we are in Afghanistan or wherever we are, we have the promise that God is good. So he's on the throne wherever we are. He's on the throne whether you sit on the left side of the political aisle or the right side of the political aisle, he's on the throne. He's on the throne whether you have a million dollar job or, or whether you make $100 a week. He's on the throne whether you get a medical test back that's negative or whether you get a medical test that's positive. He's on the throne whether our children make a good choice or whether they make a bad choice. 
there was a, uh, so he's on the throne, whether we are um, walking with the Lord or whether we're straying with the Lord. He's still on the throne. My friend, Jerry, I uh, met when I went to seminary back in uh, 1995, first year there. He was in a wheelchair, big smile on his face in a wheelchair. I asked him how that happened when we, not right away, when we became friends. <laughs> uh, he was a freshman in high school, opening game of football, running down the field, special teams, got hit. Instantly paralyzed, never walked again, right? So he talks and, and shares that, um, and he's a pastor now, about that God and works things together, promises are true, and that he is still in control in the midst of those things that happen. So we can trust the Lord that he is in control and on the throne, even in the midst of suffering. That's a whole, you know, years worth of uh, years worth of messages. But we can trust that he is good, that he is on the throne, that his purposes stand, and that his will will be done. So drive it down into your core that he is on the throne and that he is good. Truth number two: God keeps his promises. Okay, he's on the throne and he keeps his promises. Peter is sleeping here. So this is a great, if you ever want, I know there's a lot of serious things going on in this passage, but if you ever want to be entertained, this is a great passage just to read because it's, it's, very, it's, it's a very entertaining passage of all that happens. Peter's got 16, so point number two here, God, God keeps his promises. But Peter's sleeping, Okay. He's got 16 guards around him, right? Who was just killed? Stephen was stoned. James was uh, killed with the sword. And Peter is asleep. And what's supposed to happen the next day to Peter? He's going to be killed, right? And he's asleep. Why is he asleep? Would you guys be asleep? Who would be like looking up out of the window and like, come on, say, you know, right? He's asleep. Why is he sleeping? Because he trusts God, his, trusts his promises. There's no other reason but that he trusts his God. He knows what just happened to James. He knows what just happened to Stephen. But he's sleeping because he trusts deeply in God's promises. But I also know that Peter, I don't want to say he had a little bit of an advantage, but I think this is a pretty cool advantage. In, chapter, in John 21, 18, Jesus himself tells Peter that he's going to live to an old age. Right? Look what it says. Uh, I'll just read it. Uh, Jesus speaking to Peter. Very truly I tell you, and when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Peter was given a promise from Jesus himself that he would live to, a long, to an old age. Right? We have promises that we can hold on to, just like Peter did. We have promises that we can hold on to, that we can drive down deep into our core, that help us walk in the midst of a chaotic world. Again, I'm talking about Stephen a lot and James a lot. Did Stephen, who got stoned, have the promises of God? Did he trust in the promises of God? Yes. Did James, who was beheaded, 
have the promises of God and trust in the promises of God. Yes. Peter, we're going to see, gets to escape. Did he have the promises of God and trust in the promises of God? Yes. So our outcome of what happens, healed from cancer or not healed from cancers, we can trust in the promises of God. Because somebody said earlier, in life and in death, we are not separated from the Lord. So we trust him with the time that we have, and we trust in his promises that they are good. Let me just review a few of God's promises. We know these. We've heard these all the time. But I'm going I'm to say them anyway. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but will have eternal life. Great promise. In the midst of everything, great promise, eternal life. We have him in life and in death. John 1.12. To those who receive him, to believe in his name, he gave the right to become a child of God. Romans 8.1. There is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Joshua 1.5. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Romans 8.28. All things work together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Romans 8.38 For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons, neither present, future, nor any powers, nor height nor depth, anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. God keeps his promises. So my father passed away about four years ago. We were around his bedside. He had had a stroke. And we were all sitting there trying to decide what to do. Doctor, um, what measures can we take? How can, you know, what, what are we going to do to help him get better? Right? We're all in the midst of that. And my niece, uh, who's probably in her early 30s, a nurse, godly young girl, looked at us and said... In a, in a, you know, uh, truth and love, right? Truth and love in the midst of that. Or why? Like, why are we doing what we're doing? Why are, like, we know that, what are we doing here? Again, we're not promote, like, we're not promoting his death by any means. But are we going to trust in the promises of God right now? That pop-up's going to be with the Lord. Absent from the body is present with the Lord. That has to be what we stand on right now. We need to stand on his promises. Of course, we want to take actions to see him get better. But that needs to be the foundation of what we're doing. Are we going to trust God's promises in the midst of this right now? It was a great word. Right? So what we did was we prayed. We, we talked. We, we talked to whispered in his ears. Uh, told him that we would take care of mom. Just a little while after that, my dad went to know the Lord, went, went to be with the Lord. Now, I'm not saying it's because of that situation, but what was given to us at that point by another sister in the Lord, my niece, right? She was encouraging us with the promises of God. She was helping us to renew our mind with the promises of God. She was helping us to to uh, set our mind on the things above by the promises of God. So may we share with each other in the midst of the stress and the chaos and the different things that are going on, that God is on the throne and that his promises are true and that these are what need to guide our actions. 
So truth one, he's on the throne. Truth two is he keeps his promises. Truth number three is that God answers prayer. God answers prayer. In this passage, two different times we see in verse five, we see Peter was in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God. And then later in verse 12, when this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. We see two times here that the church was praying. God's sovereignty and prayer, that's a complicated discussion, right? Prayer is one of those things that's tough to, to understand. But there's, I have a little mini theology on prayer, right? Jesus prayed. Jesus told us to pray. And it's the only thing that the disciples asked Jesus to teach them how to do was to pray. And we see examples of the church praying. So may you, may, may I, may you be a church that is praying. A few verses on prayer. 1 John chapter 5. And this is the confidence which we have before him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Philippians 4, 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, shall guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 16 to 18. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 6. After we get that long list of this battle that's taking place. Paul says in Ephesians 16, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Samuel Chadwick, a pastor, 19th century Wesleyan pastor, says this, Satan dreads, Satan dreads nothing but prayer. His one concern is to keep the saints from praying. He fears nothing from prayerless studies, prayerless work, prayerless religion. He laughs at our toil. He mocks our wisdom, but he trembles when we pray. God is on the throne. He keeps his promises and he answers our prayers. When something, I call it a screensaver, when something comes to your mind that is a burden that you have. So I'll, I'll be uh, appreciated your, uh, your freedom to, be, uh, to, dive, to branch from my message. So um, last night there was, I would say this last week I've been very distracted with things that would come into my mind that I would have trouble pushing aside. That's what I call my screensaver. Does anybody know what I mean? That thing that comes in that you can't get rid of. So I was driving late last night, about midnight, honestly, coming home from, from uh, my kid's college. And there was a screensaver that I couldn't get rid of and I haven't been able to get rid of. And what I could pray, the only thing that I could really pray was... Like, God, I'm helpless with this. Like, I absolutely need you 
to take away the screensaver, okay? A few days before that, I had received a phone call from a friend of mine whose 28-year-old uh, daughter has come down with stage four cancer. And he was sharing with me um, that he was having trouble breathing because of the burden and that he could, so my, my situation wasn't like that, but it's another example of a screen. He, he couldn't get rid of it. He couldn't function. He couldn't even breathe. So what is the key when, when we say that God answers our prayers and sometimes all we can do is beg him at that point in our honesty and, and walking by faith with the little bit of faith that we have to help us. But there's a key to also getting rid of it. Okay. And we see it in, in Philippians chapter four, when he talks about be anxious for nothing. What we, the way that we get rid of that and help to get rid of that screensaver, right? We trust him that he answers the prayer. We do that. But we also need to get rid of it by the things that he tells us to do. And he tells us, Paul says in that passage there in Philippians, to rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. So rejoicing in the midst of the situation helps us get rid of the screensaver. You guys follow me when I say the screensaver, right? Okay. Rejoicing. Giving thanks in the midst helps us and begging and praying. That is the way that we're able to get rid of that screensaver and trust God with the fact that he's answering our prayer. Okay. It helps us to renew our mind in the midst of everything is to give thanks and to rejoice. Cause what I was saying to my friend was that would be my worst nightmare to have that happen to one of my children. But what we immediately started talking about was that's not the worst nightmare. The worst nightmare is if my child didn't know the Lord Jesus. That would be the worst nightmare. Now, what is that doing? You see how it's shifting the screensaver from that to rejoicing and giving thanks for what we have in Christ, right? So the way that we are, the way that we are able to shift from the, the world scene on what's happening, um, Haiti, Afghanistan, uh, politics, whatever. We can dwell on all that, or we can shift and we can say, Heavenly Father, I'm going to pray about this. I'm going to give this to you, and I'm going to rejoice in who you are, because you are on the throne, and you are good, and your purposes prevail. And I'm going to, and, and, and you give thanks. That is a way that we're able to renew our mind and to be able to translate this worry over to, uh, to the Lord. Truth number four. God asks us to walk by faith in light of the fact that he is sovereign and on the throne. He asks us to walk by faith in light of the fact that he is sovereign and on the throne. His promises are true. Walk by faith. He answers his prayer. Walk by faith. He is sovereign. Walk by faith. What do I mean? This is what I mean. Look what we see in this passage. So the angel, the angel comes, right, into the situation with Peter. I think it's fascinating. So he breaks in, and what does he do to Peter? Jabs him, right? Wake up. Okay, so first of all, I say, if you broke in, couldn't you have just said wake up, right? So he jabs him to wake up. 
Then he, t then he says, Peter, get on your clothes and get on your cloak. Then he's walking and then the guards just, right? They, they just fall down. And now, now Peter and the angel are walking. And then the gate opens. And then Peter continues to walk and goes to the church that's praying. Okay, here's my point. Do you see the, in that passage the combination of God's sovereignty and us walking by faith? We see both there, right? We see a, God, a sovereign God who chooses to send an angel to break into jail, but at the same time, he asks Peter to get up and to walk and to put on his clothes and to keep going. We see a combination there of God's awesome power and sovereignty, yet our calling to walk by faith in the midst of that, right? I think that is the last time I was here when I talked to you about um, Joshua, right? Joshua, be strong and courageous because I've given you this land, Joshua. No one's going to hurt you, Joshua. You're going to take the land, but I want you to walk by faith in the midst of it and be strong and courageous. So in the midst of all that's going on in this world, we are called to be strong and courageous, yet to trust that God's sovereign, at any point, he can do whatever he wants, but he wants us to walk by faith and be strong and courageous in the midst, right? There's those in Afghanistan now, be strong and courageous, and they're killed. Be strong and courageous, and they live. Be strong and courageous, some got on a plane, come to the U.S., be strong and courageous, some don't. We don't know. What, is, what are we to do? We are to walk strong and courageous in the midst and trust God. Okay, when I taught my children how to swim, I would hold underneath them, and I would just tell them to swim, right? And there's times when, and I'm not saying that God holds us differently at different times, but this is the illustration, right? I'm holding him, I'm holding the child, swim. At times I'm holding them a lot. At other times I'm letting them go a little. They don't know what I'm doing, right? I'm just telling them, you just swim, right? Let me take... God has his everlasting arms underneath us and around us. And our job is to trust him and to keep swimming in the midst of what we're doing. Understand he's on the throne. Understand that his promises are true. Understand that he answers prayer. And understand that he wants us to walk by faith. And when he wants to intervene in a way that he wants to intervene, he will. Because he's good. And his ultimate plans will prevail. So a little while, I'm, I'm giving you all these stories, which are victory stories, but sad stories. A few days ago, I had some kids in my house and, um, and then I actually went to the, to the wedding and he's a friend of, I, friend of mine that I grew up with and he's passing away. He's about 55 my age and he's, he's dying of cancer. And I had his kids in my house and we were talking and I asked a question. Like, why is that him and why is that not me? Right. But you know what? He doesn't ask that question when we talk. He's just like, we walk by faith, Ken, right? Very good friend. We're able to have honest questions. But what was really, uh, I, I, I think, do I still have it? Yes. So, um, he sent a song and uh, to me to look at and... So I hope that, I hope sharing this song with you to, will encourage you today. Today may be a great day for you. It may also be a hard day. Whatever kind of day it is, God is with you in the calm and in the storm.
And then he goes, when I've failed to trust God, I'm reminded through God's word of his sovereignty, of his never failing love, and of his amazing grace and trustworthiness. These are gifts from above. So what I appreciated about his conversation was that he was honest with his struggle, that he's not always like, oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm dying of cancer and, you know, everything's happy and great. He's like, you know, I have some really hard days when I just have to have just enough faith for me to trust the Lord through this, but I know that he's patient with me. And I think we need to not be over spiritual and at times think that, oh, we're just supposed to handle, there's going to be some tough days in handling the sovereignty of God and what he has for us. There's going to be some tough days of walking by faith, right? But we cry out to him and we say, thank you for loving us and our weakness. Thank you for being patient with me. Forgive me for not trusting you. I trust you and I will walk with you. And then we replace our screensaver with rejoicing and with thanksgiving, knowing that he is good in the midst of what's going on. So like Peter, let's trust that God's on the throne. Let's trust that he answers, that he promises are true. Let's trust that he answers prayer. And let's be strong and courageous and walk by faith in the midst of a chaotic world. And replace the screensaver when it pops in with rejoicing and with thanksgiving. And all that God is for us and all the promises that are true. Let's pray. Father, we, we trust you now in, in the midst of all the things that are going on. Maybe great or small uh, Maybe those that are young don't really comprehend the things that, that come up that are easily uh, distracting in our minds. And uh, we all have different things, Father. We all have different areas that we're dealing with. Weaknesses, sins, burdens, different degrees of it, struggles, sicknesses, some losing... Uh, sons and daughters and the military like so much going on but father we know uh, that you are worthy to be praised that you are on your throne that your counsel stands that um, you will take vengeance on those that sin against you and your people that is not that is not ours but father while we are here with the years that we have I pray that we would walk like Joshua, that we would be strong and courageous, that we could sit in a prison and that we could trust you in the midst of it. Whether we live or whether we die, we trust you in the midst of it. And that we know that you're with us and that you will be with us in life and in death. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Old Bridge Baptist Church. Please consider subscribing to our podcast on the platform that you're currently listening on. We appreciate your support and we hope you have a God-blessed day.